Welcome to the Perfectly Flawed podcast. On this podcast, I am your host, Renee Fox, and I chat to various people who are willing to be open and vulnerable about their own experiences with mental health and sport. Please keep in mind that the things discussed on this podcast are people's own experiences and is not medical advice. If anything in these episodes is triggering for you or you feel like you need assistance, please contact a health professional or Lifeline on 13 11 14. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Perfectly Flawed podcast. In this episode, I am joined by Harriet Brown. Harriet competed as a professional Ironwoman for several years. Harriet talks about her start in lifesaving and all her other sports she has participated in growing up. We delve into her incredible board race in Hawaii that is over 50 kilometers long. We also touch on experiences with injury and how it can challenge us mentally. Speaking to a sports psych really helped Harriet feel validated during those times. Harriet is also involved with one of my personal faves from web brands, Jolin, and does Instagram live sessions. The topics that are covered in those are absolutely awesome and if you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend. I have such a good chat with Harriet and we explore some great topics and what she has learned along the way. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Perfectly Forward podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. For those that don't know you, would you like to give a bit of an overview of who you are? Thanks, Renee, and thanks so much for having me on. My name is Harriet Brown. I am a surf iron woman. I compete for Northcliffe Surf Club on the Gold Coast, um, but I've also competed for Australia. I race mostly around Australia in the Nutrient Ironwoman series, but also compete overseas uh, when we're allowed to in the World Championships, um, as well as Molokai to Oahu Paddleboard World Championships as well. Um, I love my sport. I've been competing professionally for about 12 years now, and I'm also an exercise physiologist and level two strength and conditioning coach. Amazing. How did you fall into doing Iron Woman? Like, how did you get into that? And what sort of has made you stick around for so long? I did a lot of different sports, as many kids do when you're young, growing up. I, I grew up in Geelong, so in Victoria, which is kind of an interesting one because surf lifesaving isn't that big in Victoria. It's definitely not one of the most prominent sports. Um, I was more of a pool swimmer growing up um, and did athletics. I was kind of naturally good at sport. I remember one year I was in the state team for swimming, cross country and surf lifesaving. Um, so it was more those sports, not, not so much ball sports in the hand-eye coordination kind of thing. Um, but I first started surf lifesaving when my sister was going down to the beach to do nippers because her friends were and I went along and of course it's boring when you sit and watch and so I said to mum and dad I'd like to give this a go and so I just first started going down to afternoon trainings a little bit and made some friends and I think my first ever surf lifesaving or nippers competition was the state championships at Warrnambool uh, freezing cold I think I finished the swim did all right did the board and when I was going out I kept getting hit by wave after wave, didn't really know uh, what I was supposed to do to navigate the surf. Just a bit of a background for those who don't know surf lifesaving, it's swimming in the ocean. So in out and around um, some cans through the surf break, 
board paddling and then ski paddling now that we're older and running. So my first board race kept getting hit, kept getting hit. And then I remember looking to the side and seeing all the other girls come back in. And I thought, never give up, never give up, like keep going. You can finish. You always have to finish a race. And then the IRB, so the rescue duck came over and said, oh, the time's up now. The next race is coming to start. You'll have, you have to go in. So <laughs> that was my first ever taste of surf life saving. Wasn't very good at the beginning. I think I came to the beach, was pretty upset and annoyed at myself, thought I wanted to quit, um, but also just had such a good time at the beach with my friends. So started sticking around. And I think what I loved about it most was learning a new skill. And that's probably... Uh, something that got me more involved and away from swimming. I was swimming a lot at the time, doing a lot of pool swimming, and I found it a lot more fun to go to the beach where the waves were with my friends. So started doing a little bit more surf life-saving. But um, up until year 12, I did hockey, water polo, athletics, swimming, and surf life-saving. So uh, a lot going on. I definitely wasn't specialised and I definitely wasn't, um, you know, the top, top athlete all through juniors. And then when I finished school, I thought, well, am I going to go to Melbourne and study like most of my friends and my sister has and be an hour and a half away from the surf beach? Or am I going to try and do something different? So I moved up to the Gold Coast to study at Bond Uni and do a little bit more surf lifesaving, thinking that I would be here for a couple of years, give the sport a go and then get a real job, real career. And <laughs> here I am 12 <laughs> years later, still absolutely loving it and kind of working in the balance of being an athlete and um, working a little bit as well. So yeah, that's a little bit about my journey of how I got here. Which is amazing. And I am so envious of, I mean, all through school, I was so envious of those kids that were just good at every sport. And I was like, I wish I was one of those kids. Like, <laughs> just not me. <laughs> Certainly wasn't every sport. Uh, the ball, the ball handling skills weren't my forte. But yeah, I was, I was lucky that I was. Um, I guess it, it's a lot of it's genetics for swimming and running and those kind of things. And my parents were actively involved in uh, all of our sport growing up, which was great, but sometimes a bit annoying because they're so involved with every, everything. But I think that's what really helps with athletic development when you're younger is just getting getting out there and giving it a go yeah for sure and you touched on there about mental toughness that's first race in life-saving for you now I know previously from speaking with Lizzie Wellborn who has been on my podcast before that you both did a board race in Hawaii how is that like obviously there is an element of mental toughness from there how have you sort of got that mental toughness it sounds like it was sort of already there from the beginning what was it like in that race yeah that's a really good question and interesting that you pointed out that was there in the beginning I think that when we're young we don't really think about mental toughness we don't think about those mental skills and how strong we are mentally you kind of just do things and then you know your parents and your coaches say all right we'll get back out there you can do it and then you you you, you do it and I think that potentially those who don't have that mental toughness shy away from the challenge of sport and potentially choose something else that isn't as challenging uh, in that way. So I think, yeah, naturally I've always uh, loved a challenge and always loved kind of testing my body and pushing my body to the limit. But yeah, Lizzie, good, good friend of mine. So shout out to Lizzie. And uh, 
her and I decided a few years ago to do the Molokai to Oahu paddleboard world championships in Hawaii. So it's a 52 kilometer paddle from one island to the next. The day before you fly over in this little tiny plane and you look down and you see where you're having to paddle back the next day. So that's probably the most scary part or the most nerve wracking part. And then you arrive at the island and then the next day everyone embarks on this big paddle. And at the beginning of the race, when you look towards the other islands that you're paddling to, uh, usually it's so far away that you can't even make out the island. It just looks like horizon. So it's a pretty daunting race, but it's also one of my favourite races. It's super special because it's such an achievement to just race and paddle. And it's classified as one of, I think, the deepest or most treacherous channel channel in the world so it's really really rough there's waves going everywhere so rather than just be a tactical race where everyone's going in a straight line you have to work with your boat so everyone has a support boat with them that just sits on the side and someone jumps out to give you food and gels so they can't assist you but you just do a little quick changeover with the bottles that's one of yeah so it is it's a really really hard race it goes for around five to six hours and so I just paint a little bit of a picture of what the race is about so that all the listeners can kind of understand but because it is so challenging and you're paddling on your knees or your belly for five to six hours it takes a lot of focus and a lot of concentration and it's really I think one of the hardest things about that race is that you are hurting so much but you just have to will yourself to keep going. And some of the time you don't know where you are because you're out in the middle of the ocean and because everyone spreads apart so much, because everyone takes a different line, you have to kind of figure out where you're going to go with the tides and the winds and the waves and the tracking. So it's a little bit tactical as well. So you're out in the middle of the ocean and you just have to try and self-motivate yourself the whole time. You can't hear your boat people they might be yelling out stuff but because it's just so wild out there you can't really have a conversation so it's just all up to you and that's probably been one of the hardest races I've ever done I've done it three times now but it is just so challenging because my mind is just you're in so much pain so I'm paddling along my my shoulders are sore I'm really really tired because we're going as fast as we can and we, and we train for this so we're going at a pretty high intensity, fast stroke rate, catching little runs this way and that way. And you're just in a lot of pain and trying to motivate yourself to go. But sometimes in my mind, so I remember the last year I did it, I was in a fair bit of pain through my shoulders. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, it's okay. It's okay if you give up now. You've, you've done really well. You're in a bit of pain. This might you know, cause long-term injury, that kind of thing. Let's just stop now. And then my other mind is going, no, Harriet, keep going. You can do this. You didn't fly halfway across the world to give up. You didn't put all this effort into train to, to give up now. And then that other mind comes back just being like, oh, back it off. And at that point in that race, I was coming second uh, majority of the way. I think I came second the whole way until the last couple of minutes where I just overtook Lizzie at the end. So it was just such a mental game. I was sitting behind her and then, my mind would say, it's okay if you come second, it's okay. And then my other mind, no, you can do better. You can push yourself. And so it's just a really, really big test of pushing your body to the limit and seeing if you can uh, get the most out of yourself. And 
I think I've, I certainly did that. It's uh, one of the most satisfying races, but it's certainly hard when you're in there because our bodies are not, they're not meant to experience that much pain. We have a protective mechanism in our mind to, that tells us when we're pushing too hard or when we're training too hard to back off, to give up, to try and protect ourselves. So I, I love that challenge of trying to push through that and see how far that you can actually push your body. Yeah. And from my point of view, it's hard to comprehend a race that is that long and that tough, both physically and mentally. And I can imagine from my point of view, I mean, swimming, like I'm the longest race I've done is seven and a half K. So whilst it's not anywhere close to the amount of time it takes you to paddle over 50 kilometers, but you're still in a place like you're on your own it's very easy to get in your own head and psych yourself out like all those doubts all those disbeliefs all those things that you've heard and say about yourself all come flooding back and it's like I should just call it quits now what do you sort of like as you said you've got kind of got that two-way thing going where it's like no it's okay like I can stop now and it's like no no none of that like we have to keep going until we finish how do you get one like personality I guess to win over the other yeah that's a really it's I find it hard I find it hard to to really keep that positive mindset and I know that we're all told just be positive tell yourself you can win but for me I'm pretty practical so that doesn't always work um, especially if I'm really hurting and that kind of thing so for me what actually works in that kind of race is breaking it down and working on I just tell myself okay Harriet don't give up now, just go for another half an hour. Another half an hour, then you can have your gel. So your energy gel gives me a bit of an energy hit and just try and really focus on this next half an hour. See if you can catch a few good runners. See if you can catch Lizzie just a little bit uh, or just try and have those little goals. And then when that next half an hour comes, all right, now you can focus on the next half an hour. So I really try and break everything down just a few good strokes on my knees, go hard for a little bit rather than getting consumed by the fact that I've got five to six hours ahead of me and I already don't feel very good because that mindset is so hard to pull yourself out of. So with little things like that, I just try and break it down. And that's the same with training as well, getting overwhelmed with a big set or feeling not very good at the start. I just always say to myself, okay, just start, do a little bit well. And if everything turns terrible, you can then pull out or get out or adapt or change but don't get overwhelmed by the whole big picture of it all yeah I think that's a really good skill to have and definitely something that I think can be applied in a lot of other areas of our lives too for me I mean I'm in Melbourne in lockdown so you know the days can get quite overwhelming they all sort of blur into one and it's very easy to get overwhelmed because it just you just can't see the light at the end and for me you know writing a to-do list like yep that's great these are all the things that I need to get done and you know as you sort of lose motivation the list just keeps getting longer and longer because you're not ticking them off at the same rate things are getting added so breaking those things down into smaller chunks like okay I'm just going to spend 10 minutes going through my assignment or let's just write 100 words or let's just watch one show while I have my breakfast and then I'll move on to the next thing do you think that tool, that strategy that you found from that race and being able to apply it in training, do you think you've been able to apply it in other areas of your life as well? Absolutely. I am definitely a list girl as well. And <laughs> I have a to-do list and yes, it does get big and it does get overwhelming. And I think the overwhelm feeling, um, that's probably one of my, my worst feelings when you 
have all these things to do, but you don't know how you're going to do it. And writing a list always helped me and just prioritizing every day. I've got a paper diary that I write down and I've got little circles on the tide and I cull them off because uh, I don't like the look when it's all messed up and crossed down. <laughs> so I color them in when I've ticked them off, but that certainly works well for me and trying to prioritize the hardest stuff that I need to get done in the mornings when I'm feeling good and then the the easiest stuff in the afternoon when I'm not feeling good and just taking it one step at a time and I can certainly um, relate that as well to rehab um, and coming back from an injury or when you've had a bit of an off season or time in lockdown and you're getting back into the pool I think it's so easy to think to yourself when you're not swimming very well, or you're not going very well, how am I ever going to get there? That just seems so impossible that I'm going to be making those times again or that I'm going to be up with those girls or, um, you know, winning races again. I just can't even fathom the fact that my body's going to be able to do that. And when you think like that, that's when it can also get really overwhelming. Um, so with different injuries and things like that, I also apply that with little goals each week. So this week I'm going to... Um, just try and run 100 metres, six lots of 100 metres in, in, you know, the basic running rehab program and try and do that twice in the week and then try and go swimming four times. So it's just ticking those boxes and feeling like you're achieving something within yourself rather than that big picture because that's when things can get kind of overwhelming and that feeling of how am I going to say paddle six kilometers when I already feel bad or get all these things done when I just don't even know if I have the time so just yeah organization little goals ticking them off and then being proud of yourself when you do the little things as well I think is important yeah and it's so easy to get caught up I mean from my point of view I'm in rehab at the moment recovering from injury what was the injuries that you've experienced and how did you sort of go about it so I've had a few over the years. <laughs> I think that's what, what happens when uh, you, well, I've been racing for 12 years, um, well, properly now, focusing on it for 12 years and also doing a sport where we're out in the ocean, wild, big surf. There's always that risk factor involved. I also don't think it helps that I'm a pretty wiry, six foot tall and not um, not very strongly built so I really have to work on my strength <laughs> and conditioning to try and help with injury prevention so I'm probably my body type's a little bit more injury prone than others as well but um, oh, what have we got well so my most recent one uh, I had surgery in my foot so I was racing in, as part of the Nutrition Iron Woman series over summer and I was running in and it was kind of like a pothole kind of thing that um, split some ligaments in my foot called Liz Frank ligament and so I had to get surgery first and then wait for three months until the screws and all the ligaments could heal go back into surgery again and then get them all removed with a tightrope in and then slowly progress my rehab so it's quite extensive and it was um it was a really tough time actually so I it was in my right foot and so I couldn't drive anywhere and my family live in Victoria and so I was having to try and get to appointments and rely on friends and like Uber and that kind of thing um, but I also couldn't work for that amount of time because as an exercise physiologist you need to be able to stand and do all those things and I also stupidly on the first day that I did it when I didn't have crutches yet I was hopping on my other foot kicked a table broke my toe on my other foot so 
I was, I couldn't even hop around. I was just so slow moving. And because I did it halfway through our series, I then had to sit and watch all the other girls race for the next few weeks um, while I was sitting there feeling pretty useless. So that's a little bit about my injury and kind of what happened and where I'm, where I was at but I've kind of pulled out of that now, progressed. But when you're in that moment, uh, sometimes it doesn't feel like you're going to get better anytime soon. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard. And I think whilst everyone sort of understands that it's a physical injury and it's a lot easier to comprehend because you can see it, right? Like you're like, okay, like you're on crutches, like you're physically injured. But I don't think people fully understand unless you're in it the toll that it takes on you mentally because as you said like it's frustrating like little things like you can't drive to appointments or you know you injured yourself like part of the way through your series and then having to sit there and watch everybody else doing the thing that you love that you're so passionate about how did you I mean obviously you're through the other side now but what was it like when you're in it like sort of describe to me what you're sort of feeling on the inside yeah it was really it was really tough and I I felt like I have the tools to be resilient and to get through anything. So I've been through a lot of these like different injuries in the past, uh, but this one was probably the hardest. And I think it really hit me hard because it surprised me how much I was struggling and I'm not used to struggling. Like I always, I mean, I, sh- I don't know if I should say it like that, but I always feel like when things are bad, I just make a goal and tick boxes and kind of get through it. And this was probably um, for a couple of weeks there, it was, I found it really hard to do that. I wasn't motivated. Um, I was, you know, watching the girls race. I was lying in bed. I couldn't move around properly and I just really didn't feel good. I didn't feel happy and it just didn't feel motivated to do stuff. And I knew that it would pass but I was trying to do everything right. So I was um, meditating, I was journaling, I was trying to do little exercises. So I'm pretty aware of the different things that you can do to help your mental health. But at that moment, I just didn't feel like any of that stuff was working. And I actually, and I had a few issues going on um, within my sport as well around the injury that was really not helping. Um, And I remember at one point I... I actually um, called up one of my sponsors, Gold Coast Superclinic Physio, and I said, I need to speak to a sports psych. I'm not coping. I need help. And um, I spoke to, to Chris and I had three sessions with him in that time. And he was awesome because I think what he actually did was, well, he asked me all the things that I usually do to make myself feel better when I'm feeling a bit down and in a bit of a slump. And a lot of them have to do with getting outside exercising going for a walk um you know seeing friends or doing something that makes my body feel better and a lot of those had been taken away from me and I couldn't do a lot of those things and I think the one thing that really helped me in that time was he actually said to me oh Harriet you're doing everything that you can there's actually not much more you can do right now you're probably just going to have to ride this out for a little bit And to just kind of validate the fact that, oh, I don't have to keep trying and trying and trying to make myself feel better. I can just feel yuck for a bit and it will change. And I think accepting that, okay, I'm not feeling motivated. 
I don't really want to do too much stuff. I'm trying to do some work. I'm trying to study. I'm trying to learn, but I'm really forcing it. And it's okay to just lie there and watch a movie if I want to. And once I kind of accepted that, I just cruised for a little bit. Um, it was still not very fun, but it was only temporary. And I started to just from there started to recover, started to do little things. And whilst I kept up with the meditation and the gentle exercise and the journaling and all that stuff, I also just tried not to just do everything I could to make myself feel better and just let it come over me, just chill. And then I slowly started to progress after that, just as the injury was healing. And I know not everyone's in a situation that um, things will will get better all the time. And for me, I just, I knew that it wasn't going to be forever. So that was something that really helped me get through as well. Yeah. I mean, firstly, like, I'm sorry that, you know, it was so hard and also like, congratulations on reaching out. Like it's a really brave thing and a really scary thing to do. Say, look, you know, I'm not coping with this as well as what I thought. And I actually do need help from someone else right now. It's to the point where I'm doing everything that I can, but it's just not enough now. I need that extra bit of help to get me through. And I think it's really easy. I mean, I'm in a similar boat, like, you know, the things, as you said, that normally make me feel better, getting outside, moving my body, doing all those things. But when you're injured, those things are taken away. Those things that you love and that you are so passionate about are things that you can no longer do. And that almost makes you feel even worse in a way. And I think it's very easy to try and fix it because those feelings are so uncomfortable. You just want to fix it and make it go away. It's like, no, this feels awful. I don't want to feel like this. Let's do all these really cool things to make myself feel better. And then you still feel that crap. It's like, I have to do more. I have to do more. But sometimes you just have to sit with it and literally just, if that's sitting on the couch and watching a sad movie so you can cry it out, having a piece of chocolate or whatever it is that you like to indulge in, that's okay we all have those bad days and that it's totally normal to feel that way. Absolutely. And I think that I pride myself on my productivity and fixing things. And so uh, when I can't do those things, like the exercise and all that, that I know makes me feel better and I, I can't feel productive. That's when it, it didn't feel great, but it, absolutely right. Giving, even just giving that advice, it was like someone was validating me to say, it's okay, Harriet, you can just relax and watch a movie and you don't have to be achieving all the time. And it was almost like having permission to just eat whatever I want, just lie around, <laughs> just made me even feel better in myself that it was okay to do this and that this will be a tough time and things will improve. But for now, you just kind of roll with it. And yeah. I think, yeah, one thing you did say is that um, to reach out for help. And that's something that I probably wouldn't have done a few years ago. I probably wouldn't have thought it validated um, seeing a sports psych, but I hadn't really understood that you can see a psychologist for anything. And even if it's just to help you talk it out and um, to be someone independent or whoever it is that you're reaching out for help, I don't think that you have to feel like anything is really, really bad. I think just getting some help and being able to talk things through with people um, has been really, really helpful for me. Yeah. And I think something that gets a little bit, not glamorized, but I guess perceived in the wrong light, I think is probably a better way of putting it is that you have to have an illness or something has to be wrong for you to speak to a psychologist. But sometimes it's just, I'm just not feeling myself and I haven't felt myself in a little while and I just need someone to talk to. Yeah, for sure. And I think that we, our bodies, our 
our you know our bodies and our minds are our biggest asset and if they're not working so well then let's try and figure out different things that we can do to try and um, make us feel better and sometimes that is talking to a professional reaching out for help and um, doing those little steps that you can do to to help you yeah like you know in training you know your shoulders might be really tired and overworked and you can sort of feel a niggle there so you go to the physio so that you can prevent being injured and you know it's just sore you know you rest for a couple days and it's okay it's not injured it just needed the rest it's the same with our minds you know we've been overworked and we need that time to sort of get treatment at rest and then we can keep going again yeah absolutely I think that's something that we're leaning more towards knowing a little bit more about these days and I think it's great that people are talking about it and you're asking questions on this podcast which is really great when I was growing up through racing uh, the top athletes weren't talking about these things and I remember struggling a little bit at the start when I moved up I was living on campus at uni trying to make friends and go out and train and learn and all those things and I remember seeing the top athletes winning and thinking how are they doing it are they just killing it at life? Are they having no struggles? And because there was no platform for me to actually hear what was what it was really like and hear about those struggles. So it's great that we can talk about it and normalize um, normalize the struggle, celebrate the success and all, all the great things that we get from our sport because it isn't all hard, but also talk about the tough times so that it can um, others can learn from it and know that you can, we're not, we're all sitting in times of struggle and we're not finding it easy all the time. Exactly right. And whilst I have been lucky enough to start this podcast and interview so many great people, you also kind of contribute to this space in a way too. I know that you have done a few things with Jolin, which is an amazing swimwear brand and you jump on their Instagram and you do their vulnerability, which is an amazing play on the word from the Imperfects podcast, which I also am obsessed with. It's fabulous. How did you get involved in doing those Instagram lives and why is it so important to you? Well, that that's a that's a good question. So I actually started, I first did a little live where I, so let's just backtrack a little bit. I started <laughs> learning a little bit about um, female health. So as an exercise physiologist, I was getting sent um, some young girls to who had maybe lost their menstrual cycle or having issues um, with menstrual cycle health, that kind of thing, red, so relative energy deficiency, stress fractures, those kind of things. Um, because I'm an ex-phys, I'm a female and I'm an athlete, so I should have known about all this stuff. However, I didn't learn about that when I was at uni. So I started doing a bit of a deep dive into it and starting to really understand that, wow, our hormones do make us feel good sometimes and not good other times and can, you know, affect training in different ways. So I ended up doing it, getting um, really interested in that and speaking to Jess, who owns uh, Jolene, she was like, let's jump on, do an Instagram live about this stuff. And so I did, but what I also found was whilst I was really keen about all the science about this all, what I actually found was a lot of girls were having questions, um, not just about kind of, you know, menstrual cycle, a lot of the questions were to do with body image and um, what they looked like and their self-esteem and how they felt. And so I spoke to Lizzie about that and Lizzie and I have a, a, a big passion for really trying to be who we are and 
not worrying about what people think and trying to keep girls in sport and let's just all do this because we love it rather than kind of comparing ourselves to others and the whole body image thing. So we jumped on and did a live with that too. And then we just found that it was overwhelming what was going on out there with all the girls. So Jolene Swimwear is a female swimwear platform um, or company and their Instagram is a really great community platform. And so we were realizing that all these girls were struggling and reaching out for help. And um, so that's kind of what snowballed into us talking about the things that we also struggle with so that it's, it's relatable and then getting others um, on board as well to, to ask them questions, because I think often athletes are always asked, what do you do to, um, you know, push yourself through this or how do you do this? And it's all about the how, um, but often it's not about the, the oh actually it wasn't really good at the time and kind of opening up a little bit about that so yeah yeah and I think it's an amazing thing that you're doing because I think it is quite prevalent particularly on social media at the moment there's a lot of stuff online about body image and a lot of body positivity sort of stuff coming through now I think in recent times which is really great to see but I think it's still very easy to get caught up And as I said, on social media, you know, we're comparing ourselves to so many people in such a short space of time. And, you know, before social media, that wasn't really there. It's kind of in magazines or sort of when you go out and see people. But now it's, you know, at the touch of our fingertips, we have access to so many people and so many images. How do you tackle body image? I know in life-saving, you're in bathers. Like there's not much to hide. You're pretty, I guess, exposed in a way. What's it like for you? For me personally, I've definitely had a journey with body image. Um, I know from talking to a lot of the young girls and and even girls my age that everyone struggles with it. So when I say struggle with it, it's not like everyone's super confident and happy in their own body. I think everyone kind of has these little things that they might wish there was something that they can change or they wish their body was different and they're the kind of things that they point out or they look at when they're looking in the mirror rather than looking at you know all the great things that your body can do so yeah personally for me it's been a bit of a journey certainly when I was younger and I was I would have been comparing myself to people a lot more and racing in swimwear it makes it uh, you're just so much more exposed. And I think I was just consciously aware of what other people were thinking of me. And so I feel like that impacts a little bit your training rather than just focusing on training. You're thinking, oh gosh, is my beta sitting right? Or, um, you know, unpick my wedgie or have I put on a little bit of weight this off season or, Oh, I don't even know what they are, but there's just all these little things that kind of cross your mind that kind of consume you a little bit to do with your appearance. And it shouldn't matter, but I know it's really hard. And over the years, I've certainly um, become a lot more comfortable in my own skin. I'm pretty carefree now. I don't really um, care too much about what my body looks like. And, but I also think that that's also helped with the fact that I, feel like I'm pretty good at just training, eating well, and my body is just healthy in general. So it's been a, a little bit of a process. And I think that the way that I've had to, or that, that has kind of helped me through that has just been um, focusing on what my body can do. And I know that we're always told that, like, think about what your body can do, not what it looks like. And it's easier said than done, but just really focusing on training, training is the main priority. And 
we're all so different. I think that's another thing is that <laughs> we're all genetically so different. So if you're looking at someone thinking, oh, they've got really nice skin, like you probably, chances are you've got a different skin color to them or they've got really nice hair or legs, like everyone is really different. So accepting that as well. Um, I think it's a hard one. I don't think that there's any kind of like one one step fix thing that you can do that will make you absolutely love your body. I know that people of all ages have issues with their body and are always trying to work on it and trying to um, often trying to make it look different. But at the moment, I'm in a pretty pretty good state of just accepting who I am, what I, what my body can do, and I think injuries probably. Um, made me a lot more grateful for what my body can do rather than what it looks like. Yeah, definitely puts things into perspective. And I know something that has been said to me by friends is, oh, like you train a lot and, you know, you work out and so you eat well, so you must be really happy with how your body looks. And I think that's probably, I'm assuming something that you would get commented on too, like, oh, but you train and you do this, like you have a really good body. You must be really happy with how it looks. But it's like, well, no, not always. Like, so I have bad days too. And it can be something as simple, like for me personally, like I wish I had more freckles on my face because I think they look really cute. And some people that have freckles on their face, they cover it up with makeup all the time because they're really self-conscious about it. Like just those little things that someone may wish they had that someone does have, a, they, that could be their biggest insecurity. Yes, for sure. Everyone has insecurities and it's nice that you pointed that out because um, yeah, I'm, I'm aware that I get to work on my body all the time. So I train, you know, nearly 16 times a week. I, um, I'm a cross food. I love food and I have the time to make, um, healthy food. And I've got quite a few friends that work full time that, um, don't have the time to put into their bodies, but I think everyone has securities. You're, you're right at, at whatever your body looks like. I know that I've spoken to, um, models who I just think are just, you know, amazing looking there on all the, you know, whatever it is, influence and newspapers and things like that. And sometimes they're, they've got the worst insecurities because everything is highlighted into what they look like and what, and they're valued from what they look like. Um, I guess it's the same with us racing. Yeah. I'm pretty happy with my body and people probably say, Oh, it's all right for you because you're skinny. But growing up, I had a lot of insecurities about being skinny. And I think it's, so quick for someone else to judge and say oh well you don't need to have body security issues because uh you look good but that's just not the reality of how our brains work i think that um that's really subjective and i think that we we no matter what we are who we are it's it's more of a mind frame thing rather than what you look like yeah absolutely and as you said it's so much easier said than done about thinking about what our bodies can do rather than what they look like but as you said, like from injury, and I can tell that from myself too, like our bodies go through the ringer, particularly like as females, like it's amazing. Like we can give birth to another human being. Like that's a pretty cool thing that we're able to do and it bounces back and we can walk and we can run and we can play sport. We can do all these really cool things. Like that's amazing. It sure is. I think we often take it for granted, especially when you're you know, training so many sessions a week and your alarm goes off swimming and you just don't even want to get up and go or <laughs> that kind of thing. And I think something like injury or lockdown probably makes people appreciate that a whole lot more, being able to do and push your body to the limit and turn up to training and know that you've done a really good session. And when you can't do that, um, it becomes a lot harder. But that's certainly a good way to 
to pull yourself away from what you look like and your body and just focus on your results, your sessions and, and the progress, because I think that is so much more satisfying than see your weight change or something get more toned because you, if you're focusing on just that, you'll probably never stop. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And we've sort of spoken a lot about setbacks and challenges that were, that you sort of faced on the flip side of that, what would you say has been one of your biggest achievements? Oh, well, uh, I have a few that I am really proud of. Uh, probably my first one is off the back of a setback. So, and I won't dwell on this one too much, but I broke my jaw a few years ago and yeah, I know bike riding and I had it wired shut. So I had oh these wires and it. it was shut for about six weeks. So I couldn't um, eat. I had to eat through a straw. I couldn't brush my teeth. It was, it was pretty gross, actually. I couldn't um, work because I need to talk when I work. And I couldn't exercise because I don't know if you've tried to uh, breathe through your nose when you're like going for a run or something. It's really hard to do. So I couldn't exercise and I couldn't talk. So that was probably the hardest thing. That's probably when I learned a lot of um, coping skills and also because I had to sit with myself for so long. And usually when I've got an injury or something like that, I'll call up mom and be like, mom, this happened. I still call <laughs> mom. Yes. <laughs> what do I do? Or this, I'm just venting. I'm just calling up to vent and that kind of thing. So I wasn't able to do that. And that was in the lead into the world championships uh, in the Netherlands. And so that was, a, that was probably one of the times before then I hadn't really won anything major or done anything to great success in my sport. I was kind of balancing work and training and was loving it, but I probably hadn't really, uh, in hindsight, applied myself that well. And in those weeks, I really thought about what I was doing and I was thinking I'm dedicating all this time to my sport. Um, why aren't I winning? As in, like, what could I do better to, to win? Or how could I change my training? And I really dissected and thought about what it is that I might be able to do a little bit better. And le leading into those world championships, I think I had about eight weeks-ish of proper training after I got my wires off. And I had to even <laughs> prove to my coach that I could be picked in the team to go over to Worlds because I had been, you know, lying around, not doing much for a little while. And so I really had to prove to her. And I ended up training the hardest I've ever trained, just really focusing on it. I just had so much drive and so much purpose after kind of having that really big reset and step away from the sport. And I ended up coming back and winning the World Ironwoman title after, after that. So that was something that I was just so proud of because it was just something that I really dedicated myself to and probably for the first time in my sport had really actually focused on it. So that's probably the thing I'm most proud of. And then the other one would, um, the other one would be uh, with the Australian team and becoming Australian team captain. Um, and the reason why I, that's up there with my highlights of my sport is because it's not just about your ability as an athlete. Um, I felt like it was a great honor to receive that captaincy because it meant that I could relate well to my peers. And that's something that I've always really tried to pride myself on is being a good person and being able to um, communicate well and see how everyone else is, not just be consumed by myself and my own racing and focus on that is to actually enjoy the moments, get to know people, have a good time. And so 
to to be captain it was um it was a really big honor so that's something else that I'm really proud of yeah and they are amazing things that you should absolutely be proud of I would love to touch on like you said you know you had your jaw broken and your mouth was wired shut and you learned a lot of things along the way (laughs) what sort of things were you able to learn like what sort of tips and tricks and strategies were you able to learn that you've been able to I guess grow and develop and then apply to everything else that you've done one of them is listening I think (laughs) when you can't talk and you go out for coffee with your friends or you sit in a meeting and you actually can't talk you hear how people don't listen and they just you know talk over people so that's one thing that I learned I'm really trying to work on that still since because this was a little while ago Um, that's one thing I learned but that's not really related to sport too much Um, the thing that I probably realized with sport is that I was turning up to we do a high volume of training for surf isolating because it's just got so many disciplines I was turning up to most of sessions ticking the boxes going through the motions tired often um, a lot of the time start the week really strong and then fade towards the end So another thing that I really kind of started to reset and think about was, am I training smart and can I be training harder at some sessions and pulling back at other sessions? So I started then um, from then on tweaking my sessions a little bit so that I could really dedicate myself and work as hard as I could in some sessions and pull back a little bit, which makes sense, but it's it's easier. (laughs) It's easy to just roll on and just go hard in every session and just hope for the best and fall apart by the end of the week. So I definitely started training smarter since then. And I also worked a little bit harder in the gym or differently and just tried to program that a little bit. So it's probably more the, um, the, the programming and the mindset that changed a little bit from just taking a reset because I think often in sport, we just go through the motions, you turn up to training, you do what you've got to do, but you don't necessarily think to yourself, am I doing everything that's right for me and my body? Am I actually going the hardest that I can do? And just asking those questions. And um, I think that that was really helpful to just have a little, a little reset. Although I would never wish it upon anyone breaking their jaw. It was, it was horrible. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even imagine what that would be like. I mean, I'm, like to talk in my comfort zone but it's very easy for me to like withdraw from social situations and sort of just sit back and just absorb everything going on around me but I still think that if I was forced in that situation I'd get really shitty yeah it's hard I think the hard things is like um so going to the supermarket because I couldn't um smile because I had to keep my jaw shut (laughs) you see people that you know and they'd wave and smile and you just have to look at them blankly because it hurt to smile and then when I'd go to the checkout or something like that they would say hey how's your day going and I wouldn't be able to talk back so I felt really rude so I ended up just writing on my hand I have a broken jaw I can't talk so anyone who would try and talk to me in like community and things like that I would just show them my hand (laughs) and that made me feel a little bit better because it's just it's an awkward thing but I think going through things like that makes you it gives you an appreciation I think we've really touched on this a lot um, in this session of appreciation of what you've got and I know some people can't talk and can't hear and um, you know some people can't walk can't drive so it gives me a big appreciation for what my body what my body can do Yeah. And I think it, unfortunately, we're sort of in a place where we don't really appreciate it until we don't have it. Like when it's taken away, it's like, oh, that was actually really good. 
yeah, for sure. It's like everyone that I know in Sydney and Melbourne at the moment, where, well, Sydney's back in the pool, regional Victoria's back in for a little bit, in and out. They're all so excited to get into the pool. And I think most swimmers get a bit sick of swimming and you're not excited to get up and go swim training in the morning. And then when you can't have it and then you're back training, it's just so, so exciting. Same with racing and things like that. And too much of a good thing we get a little bit sick of. So pull it away for a bit and then we want more. Yeah, I think whenever here in Melbourne we get to go back, when my alarm goes off at 4am, I'm just going to be like, be grateful, Renee. You've just spent so much time in lockdown. Be grateful that you can get up and go. <laughs> like, Don't turn that alarm off and go back to sleep. <laughs> That's it. I think it is it is all a little bit about that. Where I've definitely been telling myself that lately. Be grateful that I can train with a group. Be grateful that I can train at all. Um, and then I think the other day I was swimming and I was pretty cold um, in the pool. The pool was just a little bit colder than usual. And I remember just thinking, be grateful you're not in a wetsuit in the beach. <laughs> Pretty much. Now you've been sport in sport, sorry, for a long time now. What sort of advice would you give to other young people that are coming up through life saving? Oh, my advice would be to do what you love. If you if you don't love it, it's going to be a hard road. You can't love it all the time. So we've definitely talked about how swimming training, well, for me, swimming training isn't my favorite thing to do at 4.37 in the morning when my alarm goes off. So you can't love it all the time, but you've got to have some element of enjoyment. And for me, I love competing. I love going out in the beach, catching waves, um, doing a hard iron session, the satisfaction from that. And there's got to be some kind of enjoyment there. So find what you love. And if you love it, then you can you know, dedicate yourself to that. And I'm sure that you'll get so much more out of it when you, when you're doing something that you love. Another thing is that it's not always an easy road. I think sometimes we want success early and we want to be the best. And if it doesn't work out, then we think, oh, well, I'll go do something else to be truly good at something. You have to really stick at it and you have to dedicate yourself and put in the time often with um, elite athletes, we see the success, but we don't always see the hard road that it's taken to get to the top. So when you're in that hard road, just keep pushing through and try and enjoy the grind and then the success will come at the end. Yeah, that's great advice. Now, I like to do three questions to finish with. And this first one is my absolute favorite. What is something that you are most proud of about yourself? Most proud about myself. I have two things that I'd like to to share. Um, My first one is probably I'm most proud of my friends and family around me. I, whilst I love sport and achieving things and work and all of those things, I think that I, I have so much value in the friends and family that I have around me. And that's, I'm proud of that because it's something that I've been able to really foster those friendships and really keep those relationships strong and, and try and value those because Um, They're always there when I need them. (laughs) And I I just am so grateful for all the people I'm around me. And I'm proud of that because it's been something that I guess as a person, when you surround yourself with good people, you become a better person yourself as well. So that's one thing. And then another thing that I'm really proud of is for doing sports so long and being involved in um, nippers. I coached the kids at Mornington and involved with young kids at Northcliffe and do a few different clinics and even the get jolling vulnerability and different things like this. I'm proud that I have been able to have a platform to hopefully 
inspire kids to stay in sport. And I think that there's just so much value from doing sport, keeping fit, keeping healthy, that if I can keep a few girls or boys in there for a little bit longer, then I think that that's a really, really good thing. Yeah, I love that answer. That's so nice. The second question I have is what is your favorite quote and or the best piece of advice that you've been given? So my favorite quote, and this is a pretty boring one, but it is, if it is to be, it's up to me. And I apply that to a lot of different things because you can't just hope for luck. You can't just hope for the best um, if it is to be. So if I want to do well, I need to train hard. Um, If there's something going on, if it is to be, it's up to me. But that also relates to if I need help, I need to go and seek help. Or if I'm struggling, I need to actually tell someone so that you can't just say, oh, all these things have happened or this isn't so good. It's got to be me that makes things change or changes my attitude or changes my, you know, positivity, my mindset, changes the conversations I'm having. I don't know if I've explained that very well, but it's pretty simple and it's just if it is to be, it's up to me. Yeah, I love that. I haven't heard that before, but yeah, I like that. That's good. Thank you. (laughs) The last question is any tips, advice or anything else that you would like to add? I guess I've said do what you love. I think that's something that if we're doing what we love or some part of element of what we love, then that will always keep us happier. But another thing that I would like to add that I think is important is that we just keep learning and we keep learning from each other. We keep learning from ourselves. So I'm learning, constantly learning about myself, how my body works, what training is best for it, um, how it responds to different things and also learning from other people. I think sometimes we get fixated on what we know and we just do what we know, but there's so much more out there and to have an open mind and listen to your coaches, listen to the people around you, listen to podcasts like this where you can learn from other athletes. And I think if you keep learning, then you get enjoyment from learning, but you'll continue to grow and be a better person and athlete. I agree. And I think it's almost a bit naive to think that you know everything because there is so much out there that we don't know. And no matter what stage of life you're in, you're constantly learning and you can constantly grow. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on and joining me today and sharing your sporting journey and everything that you have learned and just everything you have shared has been so valuable and so insightful. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Renee. No worries. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Perfectly Flawed podcast. If you would like to stay up to date for when the next episode is being released, you can follow myself on Instagram at Renee Fox, or you can follow the podcast at perfectly underscore flawed underscore podcast. I'll chat to you next time. Bye.